Welsh Rugby Podcast by Wales Online. I'm Ben James and I'm joined by Matthew Southcombe. Good morning, Benjamin. Good, good, good afternoon. Morning. Where are we? Yep, good oh, afternoon. Oh, yeah, it's the afternoon. God, time flies when you're having fun, doesn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. So we got a fair bit to discuss today as we get back into the swing of things. There's another test match this week. Uh, before we do that, just the usual bit of housekeeping. If you do enjoy the podcast, give it a subscribe, give it a review on iTunes or whatever platform uh, you do listen to it on, good or bad, uh, we can we can take it on the chin. Fairly uh, robust at taking criticism in uh, in this joint, Benjamin. So uh, yeah, any any comments, send them in. It's also it. also worth listening on because we've got far more intelligent people than us on the podcast today as well. We got a good friend from over the Irish Sea. Uh, Mick Scully from the Irish Mirror uh, chatting to us in a bit and obviously uh, Mark Orders from the Swansea office is, is uh, calling HQ so uh, definitely worth listening on for their views if if not ours. Racking up my phone bill no doubt but it's it's a small price I have to pay for a good podcast. But um, before we get them two on uh, you'll have to make do with me and Matt for a little bit. <laughs> Um, and there's a couple of topics we got to discuss. Obviously, Wales Island this weekend. Yeah. Um, it's Warren Gatland's last game in Cardiff. Yeah, it's, it's kind of gone not under the radar, but it's um, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because it's we've had sort of Warren's last Six Nations game in Cardiff. Now we've got Warren's last game as Wales head coach in Cardiff. But obviously, after this, yeah, there's another warm up game, and then it's the World Cup. And then he comes back as Barbarian's head coach, so it's kind of like you don't know quite when when the the sort of when the actual moment is that we we um, we wave goodbye to to Warren Gatland. But and we've talked as well in the office that you know it's it's kind of a difficult one because when when Wales's World Cup is over, regardless of whether they get knocked out or if they win the whole thing. The fact that it's Warren's last game in charge of Wales almost gets overlooked slightly because whatever circumstances surround that game will always overshadow yeah. the the fact that it was Gatland's yeah. last game. So it's a bit of a strange one. It's kind of like a staggered goodbye, really. Um, but yeah, this is his last uh, game as Wales boss in Cardiff, and it seems like a good uh, a good moment to, to sort of pay tribute, really. Absolutely, it it, it, it does feel a bit sort of. Hasn't really been publicised that much, does it? It felt, you know, when the tickets were out on sale, it was sort of, I think it was marketed as, you know, your final sort of chance to say goodbye. But then yeah, I've seen a, I've seen a few signs, uh, probably a bit of a residual from that marketing campaign, a few signs on a few Cardiff buses, um, you know, wave goodbye to Warren and that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, he's a man who deserves, you know, he deserves a send-off. And, you know, we were talking in the office this morning about how there's... Um, a lot of people out there who who don't know sort of how lucky we've got it at the moment, or perhaps don't appreciate that, um, just because things were things were bad, weren't they? Let's, well, yes. Yeah. Not. Uh, I mean, let's cut to the chase. We we're now number one in the world. I never quite get used to saying that, but it's we're, a bit we're, weird. Yeah, we're number one in the world. When when Warren took over, we were tenth. Yeah, and if you look back even further than that, you know, it's uh, in the nineties. It wasn't particularly great. And you know we go you, you sort of you have to remind yourself of that sometimes. And Gatland has sort of changed the way that Welsh changed the standard. Really, you know, Welsh fans are, are no longer content with with going to Twickenham and beating England, or yeah. you know, getting the odd win here or there. It's it's about trophies and championships, and you know that's that's only for the for the better of Welsh rugby, really. Because 
Welsh rugby was always sort of quite feast and famine, wasn't it? You mm. know, it, it, st- it still is. It, in it, many st- ways. it still is in many ways, but he's probably brought a sort of a more consistent baseline. You know, you think 2005 was our first Grand yeah. Slam in 25 years or 27 years, I think it was, and then within a year, Ruddock had gone, and it was that, that was sort of the, a, a typical sort of Welsh rugby moment where we get we get successful, and suddenly as as a nation. We're, we're quite uncomfortable with that success. We don't really know how it sort of sits on our shoulders. But yeah. with Gatland, it's, it's not all been, you know, roses, is it? And, you know, 2010, you know, Ryan Jones, Fiji, all that. It's been, there's been a few sort of barren years, but we've never really gone too far without looking like what we are, which is a competitive nature, nation who can compete for trophies. Yeah, it kind of went through a period where it never, it, it felt like disaster was never too far away. So, Whenever you were enjoying the good times, you you kind of you always had to remind yourself that uh, you could never perhaps enjoy them fully because you never knew what was around the corner. And Gatlin has brought a sort of um, stability and continuity and consistency. And yeah, there were rocky moments along the way, but you know he's been here eleven years now, so <laughs> you know you're not going to get through that time without yeah. getting your rocky moments. And there's been a few. You know, you look at the Adam Jones, the way Adam Jones sort of bowed out of the international game as well. That didn't sit well with a lot of people. And, you know, he's ruffled a few feathers. But when you're taking a side who are 10th in the world and making them the best in the world, then you can't do that without ruffling a few feathers. So uh, Warren Gatlin certainly deserves all the plaudits that will come his way. Perhaps it won't be too much of a song and dance this weekend, like I said, because it's, there's still... You know, and Gatlin's attitude himself, I can guarantee you, will also be, you know, this isn't about me. Um, and he will, you know, and I think the players will, re- if they get asked about it um, at all this week, will re- also say, you know, we're not retiring him yet. There's there's more to come, as we all know. So, yeah, he, d- he deserves a, a bit of a, a pat on the back and a lot of praise for, for what he's done for Welsh rugby. And I, and I think um, Welsh rugby is, is and should be very grateful to him. I suppose looking back in hindsight from Gatland's reign, the one thing that strikes you is 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 how he builds in four year cycles. Obviously, twenty eleven he built he managed for Wales to peak. Then twenty fifteen, even with all those injuries, Wales still managed to sort of turn up at the World Cup and put in some good performances, get out of a pool stage that no one really believed they would. Mm. Which brings us quite nicely on to 2019. We're in the preparations for that. Next up is Ireland. Mm. Um, it's going to be the first test that we're going to see a bit more of an experimental team. Yeah. Um, and probably the big headline is that Josh Navidi looks likely to captain Wales. Yeah, I mean, that's what's been reported in the in the national press over the weekend. Uh, it comes as, as a bit of a surprise, really. I mean, you know, Josh Navidi's a fantastic player and a great bloke. And But personally, it never really struck me as a captaincy candidate. Uh, it's definitely going to be the kind of guy who leads by example rather than um, tub thumping and all the rah-rah in the changing rooms. I suppose if you look at the side that that's supposedly going to be picked uh, later this week as well, you're not there aren't many that jump off the page as as people who could potentially wear the armband. I mean, the only the only one to my money looking through that side is um, is Scott Williams. Who captained Wales in this fixture four years ago? Yep, first uh, first back to captain Wales under Gatland. Yeah, so you know that that struck me as a as a possibility, but S- Scott Williams has got his has got his hands full and and has got an, enough on his plate really on on the weekend. Uh, obviously, uh, he would probably be 
in a shootout straight away with Owen Watkin, and I'm sure we'll come on to the side and discuss things later on in a bit more detail. But, you know, for Scott Williams, a man who hasn't played for Wales, I don't believe, since the summer, uh, various injuries have ruled him out, hasn't yeah. hasn't been involved Argentina since, since that summer tour, yeah. So he just needs to concentrate on his own game, I think, and that would probably be why he's probably missed out on the armband in this occasion just because he's he simply has to play well it's a big ask as well you know he's he's had a very injury played season um but back to Josh Navidi I think it's um I think it's it's an interesting decision to to make him captain to say the least but he's a very important player for Wales now and and um it's some people may say it's a risk to play him but Needs game time, needs minutes. You know, he played really well when he came on against England. So, you know, he's no one would begrudge him this captaincy. But I, I would be lying if I said it didn't um, surprise me a little bit when I when I saw the the news coming out. You say he needs needs minutes. More specifically, he probably needs minutes at where he's going to be picked, which is number eight, because we've only got one specialist in the squad, Ross Moriarty, and he's played two warm ups now. You'd think that's probably going to be him you'd hope he might come back for Dublin mightn't he probably yeah might get a run out in Dublin but I think it's um, you know the the beauty of one of the beauties of Josh Navidi is he can play 6, 7 and 8 and you know we know he's more prolific at, at flanker either side than, than perhaps number 8 so yeah although I think he's probably going to be featuring more often than not uh, on the side of the scrums in, in Japan he definitely needs a bit of a run out at number eight because, like you said, he's he's quite possibly going to need to play there um, later this year if Ross Moriarty gets injured or if he needs a break or you know whatever the circumstances may be. Then Josh Navidi would probably be the next cab off the rank. So yeah, he probably he, he needs to get his um, get a bit more comfortable in that position um, at this level, having not played there for a while. So it's uh, yeah, you can see the logic in it. There we go. Um, obviously, that's the Wales side taking care of things. But we do play Ireland this weekend and um, we're going to get the views of Michael Scully from the Irish Mirror next. Okay, so we're joined now on the podcast by Irish Mirror reporter uh, Michael Scully. How are you doing, Michael? Ben, how are you? You well? I'm not too bad, and you? I'm okay. We're still recovering from the Twickenham Horror Show on Saturday. I, I can uh, I can relate to that. Um, <laughs> we had our very own horror show a few weeks ago, so uh, I know exactly indeed. how you feel. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, we lick our wounds and move on. Well, we can't move on too much. Uh, we have got to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about it first? Okay, okay. Let's uh, relive the horror. 57-15, <laughs> uh, where, where did that come from? Yeah. Um, okay, so I think um, we most of us probably thought that Ireland might lose by possibly 15 to 20 points because uh, for a lot of the players involved, it was their first hit out of the of the, the new year, of the new season. Um, they've been working hard for eight weeks now. And plus they, were, they came straight to London off a, a pretty punishing eight-day uh, training camp in the Algarve. So I don't think there, there wasn't huge expectations at all. Uh, plus, you, you throw into the mix uh, 
Ross Byrne made his first test start, uh, only his third cap, and he was out half. You have Joey, Joey Carberry's still out, and hopefully we'll be back for the start of the World Cup, but he was missing. And Johnny Sexton, obviously our first choice out half, was is uh, still uh, waiting for his first game of the season. He took a bit of a bang in, in the Algarve, um, and it's kind of he was coming back from a thumb injury anyway. So I think they're, at the moment they're going to hold him back probably till the second Wales test in Dublin on September the 7th. That's that's what it's looking like at the moment. Uh, but anyway, so we had Ross kind of thrown in there to, con- to conduct on the matters really. And um, and basically you had 10, you had still had 10 of the guys who, who, who started against the All Blacks in, in November when Ireland pulled off a historic victory in Dublin. So, you know, expectations were that England's are, are in a better place. We're in a better um, kind of they're they're more more down the track than Ireland, and and it's all about peaking for four weeks' time. But what unfolded was really not what people expected. You know, um, this is Ireland against the old enemy. Um, this is guys playing for their World Cup spots either in the squad because obviously Ireland haven't Joshua has hasn't named his squad and won't do till after the first Wales Test this weekend and um so and and also for places in the team and um for that for their first game against scotland on, on the 22nd of september and hardly who who turned up you could maybe make a case for one or two but that's it and and even at that that would be a hard case to make it was just a complete systems failure uh from the, from pretty much from the start and uh um you know it suddenly Suddenly, a lot of people are, are panicking almost over over our, our, our chances here, you know, uh, going into Japan. Whereas, only a, a, few, a few short months ago, Ireland were being seen as possible winners of, of the thing, you know. So it's it's been a, a huge dip in a short space of time, and um, there's an awful lot of work to do now in the coming weeks. So, what is the sort of general feeling over in Ireland? Because 2018 does yeah. seem a sort of awfully long time ago, doesn't it? It really does, you know, and and when at the end of the year you're kind of hoping, God, I hope, you know, they'd only lost once all all through that year. They beat the All Blacks. They won the Grand Slam. Leinster had won the double. Um, Johnny Sexton was just named Player of the Year. Joe Schmidt was Coach of the Year. It was like it was kind of like, oh God, you know, things almost couldn't have gone any better. And and where do you go from here? How do you top that? Like you know, and um. You know, Schmidt has spent has spent the last three and a half or three and three quarter years um, trying to recover from the, the the loss in Cardiff in the in the World Cup quarterfinal in 2015 to Argentina, where so many of his frontliners were missing, injured, or suspended uh, for that game. And so he's built a squad, and and you know the feeling was that the squad was there now and it was robust, and 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 if player if frontline guys were missing, there was guys ready to step in, and so every, every you know it was in a really good place, and yet there was a little nagging feeling. God, you know, can they keep this going? You know, it's it's very hard to do, and uh, it's grand when you have that momentum rolling, and then you went into the Six Nations. You tried a few things. I think he he's admitted that um, this week that you know he. he for Ireland, it is all about the World Cup, especially after winning the Grand Slam last year uh, in 2018. It, it is about the World Cup because our World Cup history is just littered with, with disappointment and, and regret and not getting beyond the quarterfinals. So Joe Schmidt in his last, his last year in charge wanted, really wanted to go for the World Cup. So 
you're, you know, you could kind of excuse some of what happened at the Six Nations in terms of, okay, he, you know, he's, he's trying to work things out for, for the bigger picture. Um, but that feels like a long time. 2018 feels a long time ago. Six Nations, we lost to England and then lost to Wales on the last day in Cardiff, another bad performance. And suddenly the bad performances are are, are, are stacking up and you're kind of going, where's the confidence now? Where's where's the buoyancy? Where's, where's the... Um, the quality that that had been a trademark and a hallmark of this team, and um, it seems to have deserted them. Um, you know, um, it's all about, as, as Joe Schmidt said after the game on Saturday. You know, it is, it is all about um, the twenty second and, and Scotland. But you know, I think Irish people are also looking ahead to. A, you know, people do expect that they make the quarterfinal and the quarterfinal will be against either New Zealand or South Africa. And the way they were bullied off the, the park and, and, and just destroyed by England's power power plays and, and powerful men, big, big men, they're going to face the same thing against South Africa and New Zealand if they get there. And people are just very fearful that a similar fate awaits. You know, it's um, it's not it's not a, it's not really a good place to be in at the moment. Uh, if, if you're looking for one little spark of optimism, it could be that um, <laughs> the huge expectations that were there uh, and po- possibly unrealistic expectations that were there uh, um, nine months ago are, are <laughs> completely abolished. So they'll, they'll go in, they'll go in and definitely um, with a lot to prove, but also um, I think the pressure of them being pre-tournament favourites is certainly not going to be on them. Because you sort of look back to last year and, and it felt like Ireland were just sort of ahead of the curve on so many things, you know, their breakdown work, sort of creativity and mm-hmm. attack, physicality and defence. Tactically, yeah. it's sort of you look at them now, and you you can't really tell where they are. And I think the the biggest thing that sort of shows that is 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 the box kick and the kick chase because it feels like they've tried to move away from that. And then on on Saturday, yeah. it just felt like they didn't know when to sort of box kick, or and then when they did, it, it was poorly executed, and the chase was poor. It's it's, it's just predictive yeah. of where they are at the minute. Yeah, it's a fair point. I think that first game in the Six Nations against England. Um, that re- that possibly f- forced a rethink because England England just dealt with it so well. They just shut off the runners uh, under the high ball, and and there was just no access points for the runners. And uh, it's it was telling that in the first warm up test at the start of the month against Italy, there wasn't one box kick, which is an amazing statistic for Ireland. Uh, you know that uh, they have built their way. They have built a game around. Um, Connor Murray's kicks, and then um, you know using wingers and and Rob Carney to to get up there. Jason Stockdale is very good under the high ball, and there's others, um, and and it has been a great way uh, to to build attacks. And teams possibly have worked that out now. You know they they're getting blockers in their way um, legally, just on the line, but but you know teams aren't being penalised for it, and it's something Ireland complained about at the time, but. It, it does feel like they've kind of gone away from that. Um, and to what? We don't know. Now, you know, you have to take it as a proviso. Johnny Sexton hasn't been playing. Um, um, Robbie Henshaw hasn't been playing. James Ryan hasn't been playing in the second row, who's, you know, totemic, totemic finger really for Ireland in, 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 in the line-out. Um, you know, there are there are people to come back in of, of real quality, world class quality. Um, but yes, it 
judging from Saturday, certainly, um, and and at the, and the end of the, the Six Nations, um, they do see they do seem a little lost, um, which is really amazing for for a team under Schmidt who is just known for his detail. You know, his, you know, everything is planned to an absolute T, and and he's, it's what he's built his reputation on, and you know, it's it's. Um, it is worrying, absolutely. It is worrying that as his as his career in Ireland just tails just comes to an end, and and he's ta- obviously taking a break after that. That it, it does seem to be a little bit falling apart. Hopefully, that's not the case. But looking at current evidence, it's not. It's not looking too good. Yeah, I did, I did saw, saw an article earlier today suggesting that he was uh, Joe Schmidt had made the same mistake that Sir Alex Ferguson made, uh, announcing his retirement at Manchester United the first time. Do, do you buy that argument though? That sort of coach. Well, I, you know, I don't. I don't think it's. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't think it's something we can really. I don't think you can say it until until we come to the hindsight part of it. Really, you know, I mean. They could they could turn around and start producing uh, huge performances in Japan again. Um, they beat Scotland and they beat Japan. And suddenly there's a bit of momentum going. They've got Samoa and they've got Russia in their final two games of their pool. So if you know if they get through those first two games, they can they can kind of wrap their their front liners in cotton wool, get ready for a quarter final. Suddenly, a bit more confidence, a bit more momentum, head of steam. It, it, I have heard that argument here. Um, it is a little bit of a nagging thing in the back of your head. You hope that's not the case. I, th- I think the argument against it is the fact that their new head coach is right in camp, watching exactly what's going on and and or- orchestrating a lot of what's going on defensively, which who is Andy Farrell. So and and Ireland's defence on Saturday was just shocking. You know, thirty, I think it was thirty six, thirty seven, missed tackles, twenty one in the first half, and. Um, you know, it's just shocking stuff, and and not what you'd what you'd expect. But he's there, and he's he's watching the players, and he's he's seeing how they're responding to the situation. Um, so I I think if if he wasn't there, maybe you would you could make a strong argument for for the Alex Alex Ferguson syndrome situation kicking in. Um, but the fact that Farrell is actually there, their new head coach, come uh, November second or whatever it's going to be, um. I think that mitigates against that a bit. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned um, Jonathan Sexton. Obviously, here in Wales, we're sort of quite concerned because we've lost one fly half, Gareth Anscombe. Of course, uh, yeah. yeah. But um, look, looking at the situation over in Ireland, obviously, Joey Carberry's got the ankle ligament uh, damage, which I think yeah. he's, you know, that's, that's made him a major doubt. Um, and then Sexton, you know, is yeah. this leg injury that he's picked up in the Algarve and he, he's short of rugby coming into the sort of the tail yeah. of these warm-ups it's probably not a great situation I think is it Jack Carty no. and Osburn had about six test points between them heading into the weekend yeah um, yeah you're right I mean I, I'm sure the plan was to, to let Sexton and Carberry run a, quite a lot during the these four the Ireland have four warm-ups um, I'm sure that was the plan and, and I'd say to get Carty a bit of time off the bench, maybe start, maybe if not so much starting, you know, he, Carberry was always down to start against Italy in the first game, but maybe to start, uh, maybe possibly to start even in Cardiff on Saturday, because it, it does look like both teams are going to be slightly under strength, isn't it? I think, I think Wales are going to throw in a few um, untested guys, aren't they? Yeah. Um, I presume, our, I know that the two coaches have spoken about 
selection tactics. So I guess they're both going to do the same thing. So, um, yeah, I it's not the position that they wanted to be in. Um, and suddenly, suddenly uh, Schmidt is looking at the fact that um, do I have to look at bringing Ross Byrne as as the third out half? Um, if that is if Carberry is fit. So if Sexton uh, goes Carberry. And then Jack Carty was in line, but now I think Schmidt's looking at the fact that Ross Byrne is probably closest in style to Johnny Sexton. So is he? Is it worth bringing him as as cover for Johnny? Because obviously, as you say, he hasn't played. He hasn't played much at all. Um, hasn't he's, he's trained a bit now, and and he was up to full training until he did he did suffer a bit of a tie injury there. I think in in training in the Algarve, but I mean, from what they're saying, he will play in that in he will play in that. Um, final warm-up and I think with Johnny um, I think he does hit the ground running and in some regards it might be better just to keep him held back maybe um, because he does tend to pick up injuries and so I think um, probably if he's there for the big occasions that's really what matters I, I, I don't think there's any worry about him getting straight back up to speed um, when, when he is available. So hopefully that is the case. Hopefully Carberry goes as well because he is a special talent. He's different. He brings um, a running game, um, a lot of unpredictability. Um, and he can also, he's a versatile player. He could play 15 if Ireland needed him. He could play in, in the centre. So it would be a shame if he was to miss out. Um, hopefully, uh, it's looking good for him, I think. Hopefully he'll make it for 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 uh, that Scotland game. And if he doesn't make it for that I think they they are talking about making the decision and 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 possibly Byrne and Carty uh, could be could be both in line to go. So we'll have to wait and see. Indeed, um, you mentioned uh, sort of team selection for this weekend. What sort of island team are we likely to expect in Cardiff? Um, well, there's a, certainly there's a few there's a few players who haven't had game time yet. So. Um, Robbie Henshaw will play in centre. Uh, James Ryan hasn't played yet. He he'll lead the line out probably with Devon Toner I'd say coming back in um, they tried John Klein there and and Ian Henderson um, in Twickenham and you can see you can see what an influence Toner has nearly when he isn't there he just he's the line out master really for Ireland so you can see the two of them playing um, and after that you're talking you could be talking to some guys who are really trying to play their way onto, onto the plane you know um, there's there's quite a few still who haven't had who haven't had game time. So, um, trying to think now off the top of my head, who there's there's like Jack Conan in the back row, the Leinster uh, number eight, and he actually has a great chance now of of going to Scotland, going to Japan as as the first choice number eight. Uh, CJ Stander was very very static. Um, certainly Billy Billy Fun, when you're up against Billy Vonapola, um, you're you're you really want to be on your game and and CJ hasn't been and he hasn't been for quite a while he's he's kind of lost that, that dynamism that he has that power the back of the scrum um, whereas Jack Conan does bring that and he's he's in very good form so we could see him um, in, in the in the principality I think and uh, um, it's hard to know who's who's going to start at, at 10 probably Jack Carty I'd say and uh, Kieran Marmion obviously of Wel- who has Welsh uh, roots himself. Yeah. Uh, I think he'll he'll get a run out at scrum half because um, we haven't seen much of him now either. I, I did. Um, I did. So far, I did. He's been playing cricket for Brecon this summer. I don't know if that's true, but all I, right, I've heard that oh, story somewhere. So uh. <laughs> all right, so if, I, if I get a chance, I'll ask him about that. <laughs> 
<laughs> Very good. So I think it'll be it'll be a mix and match, but there'll be plenty of experience and and, and again guys who who have a lot to prove. You know. Going back to to Wales's uh, Twickenham horror show, I think what helped Wales was the fact that you know it was a six day turnaround. They went full strength again, and you yeah, can see that they they were clearly going for the win. You know, Dan Bigger stayed on for the majority of the game. I suppose right. Ireland probably won't do that this week simply because of the the, well, the arrangement between the two coaches. You know, yeah, and and that and and I think that, yeah, and maybe they'll they'll slightly regret that now because you know talking to some of the players after the game they were. You know, it was kind of like, yeah, we want to get back out there and we want to, you know, put this right. And and they have been good at doing that in the past. They're very good at kind of um, turning things around pretty quickly. So I'd say I'd say there'll be a bit of frustration this this week because um, they they probably they'll be a lot of them will be hanging on for that final week um, for that final warm up. So which could be could be quite a hit out in Dublin. I think um, I think both sides will probably be at full strength given it's their their last chance to to get on the field competitively before Japan, so and that could be an interesting one. Obviously, had had Ireland won on Saturday, they would have gone um, top top of the world, number one in the world. Yeah, uh, yeah. O- overtaking some other team, or they yeah. just just managed to get. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. And it, that does seem farcical now. To be honest, the way the way form the form lines have gone. Um, I think I think we've been overtaken now. I think we're in fourth, um, so um, I I mean possibly deserve to be a bit further down at the moment. You know, I, certainly the way the rugby championship went, there's plenty of teams in in really good form and hitting hitting form at the right time. Um, and we're we're the ones who seem to be going backwards, which seems to be unfortunately the way it, it happens with us when it comes to four year cycles. We're not, we haven't really timed it right. Uh, it wasn't the case. It was the case last time and 2011 as well. And um, you can go back and back and back, and it's, it's been the same story. So um, I think we really we really thought it was going to change this time. So it's, it's, it's like I say, it's not looking good, but there's still time. We, you know, you can't give up hope yet. No, it's still plenty of time. Um, yeah. So, well, finally, um, it's a, probably a bit early in the week because we don't know the teams yet, and we. Mm. But um, a prediction for Cardiff. Um, rather. I think we will see a much. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we'll see a much more focused performance uh, from Ireland. There has to be, and if there's not, it's a serious, serious concern. Um, Schmidt has constantly said it's not about the result it's about the performance um i think it'll be tight um again a lot of them are getting their first hit out so i think um i think we'd see a much improved ireland performance but um i'd say they'd be hard pushed to get a win in in cardiff so uh, uh, a little a little nod to wales there i think to to just edge a close game there we go. How do you see it? How do you see it, Ben? Oh, I haven't got a clue. I've been uh, I'm I'm zero for two on my predictions so far. I went <laughs> Okay. I went Wales convincingly at Twickenham and then England to sneak it in Cardiff. So I, I, I Ah right, okay. So know. tip tip Wales, so go on. Yeah, I'll probably say I think Ireland all the way. <laughs> Good stuff. Good are you stuff. Are you, uh, are you in Cardiff this weekend then? I am indeed, yeah. Um yes, uh, just over on, on in the morning and back at night. Oh so long, there's no there's long, no a long day ahead. A long day ahead, but looking forward to it, actually. Yeah, very good. Fantastic. Well, we'll see you then, Michael. Um, safe, safe travels for that, and uh, thanks for being on the podcast. 
Thanks very much, Ben. Cheers. Right, so interesting stuff there from uh, Michael Scully. Um, next up, we got Mark Orders uh, from the Swansea office. How you doing, Mark? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad at all. Uh, as I was just explaining to you, off air, uh, just come back from Spain. And um, yeah, my focus wasn't totally on uh, Welsh rugby uh, while being on a Sunday in Calador. But nonetheless, yeah, I'm able to offer you a few words, I guess. I'm sure you can do more than just offer a few words. Um, I'd still back you to have a very good knowledge, even if you've been on the sangria for a week. <laughs> sangria, white wine, San Miguel, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you you name it. I went through the card. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh dear, that sounds like a sounds like room service. Uh, yeah, yeah, all, it was all over the place. All right, so yeah, we'll yeah. we'll get into the team. Um, so I believe you're writing a piece as we speak, which is sort of assessing. Yeah, that's right. Where this possible Wales 15, all, all 15 players that are going to likely play this weekend, where their World Cup hopes um, lie. So we thought it'd be a bit of fun to, on the podcast to maybe go through them and sort of see how many feet they've got on the plane or if they're still sort of stuck in the uh, the airport car parks, so to speak. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's fine. I'll, uh, I will qualify it somewhat by saying, uh, uh, <laughs> as far as writing that piece goes, I, I've only just... I've only just sort of done my bit on Hallam Amos, which is the number 15. So, you know, it's... Uh, but anyway, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah, do you, do you want me to wade into them? Well, yeah, let's uh, let's start with uh, Hallam Amos, since you've, uh, you've got him done. <laughs> well, I mean, before we go through any further, really, you know, there, there is a school of thought to think that, um, that selection really shouldn't depend on one game. Really, if you think about it, this this process has been going on over a year, and Warren Gatland has had months now with the players, so he knows their strengths and weaknesses, and it really it really shouldn't come down to a World Cup campaign just to one game. But you never know, you know, with uh, if there are fifty fifty calls and someone shows a lot of form and comes up with a blinder. That it, it may just sort of uh, swing a very close verdict, you know. So I think with Alan. I think uh, there is one back three spot uh, up for grabs if we assume, you know, that uh, that Lee Halfpenny, Liam Williams and uh, Josh Adams and George North are nailed on. There's one back three spot up for grabs. I think Hallam is probably the favourite um, for that particular slot because he's got experience, he's got versatility and he's got a lot of class. So I'd say, you know, it's, it's a useful opportunity for him at full back this week, you know, to show what he can do. Gatland has in the past doubted whether he's he's got the pace really to play on the wing. But he is a classy player and, um, yeah, you know, hopefully he can, uh, he can do well. Um, as regards the other two lads, uh, Owen Lane is, uh, is a boater and he is a game changer as well. Uh, in a particular kind of way, you know, and Cardiff Blues supporters would uh, no doubt vouch for that. I think he put he does pose a little bit of a threat to Hallam, and he is capable of coming up with a big, big performance. Um, so he'll be worth keeping an eye on. As regards Steph, you know, uh, Steph has got all the creativity in the world, and if Steph does what I saw off my sunbed in Calador 
will seem a little light on creativity. And I think Steph, uh, what he offers in that department, that is uh, that is his USP, his unique selling point. So I think, you know, his hopes are not completely extinguished. And if he shows, you know, he has that sort of ability to conjure something, then who knows, you know, that uh, at this late stage, uh, the selectors may say, well, we, we need a bit of that, you know. Agree with that, Matt? Um, yeah, I suppose Hallam, Hallam would probably be the, the front runner in amongst that trio there. But I, I would say that if Owen Lane produces the kind of performance that we know he can, I think it would um, create a bit of a sleepless night for Warren Gatland. Obviously, we know he names his squad the following day after the game. And I think that position and that final back three spot might be a, a difficult one to, to decide between those two if, uh, if Owen Lane gives him something to think about. Because Amos in in the last few years in a whale shirt has, has really let let the side down so that's an interesting little call I think Steph Evans is Mark, Mark makes a good point about the creativity la, uh, last time out or lack thereof um, and Steph would definitely bring you that but I think he's a, a very much a, a long shot for this now uh, he's had a difficult season last year and you know I don't know where his head's at and uh, perhaps I just think the other two are, are just a little bit too far ahead of him at the moment Indeed. Um, Centre, that is a real sort of toss of the coin, isn't it? Yeah, but I think... It is. Go on, Mark, you, yeah, you so, take this one, mate. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with Ben that um, it is a flick of the coin because, um, you know, you've got the two nailed on centres in John Davis and Hadley Parks. But then really, for some reason, you know, the, the selectors haven't really... They haven't really been bold enough to, to give Owen Watkin uh, an opportunity in a, in a major game from the start, perhaps. Um, and uh, he is a good player. He, he showed for the Ospreys when they played the Scarlets in the final, uh, in the playoff game last season. You know, he was up against John Davidson Parks there and, and he sort of eclipsed them. He had a really, really good game. He wins a lot of sort of turnover ball with these rips and he is a strong runner and quite you know, there is a semblance of creativity there, but you know, he hasn't had the opportunities, and that suggests to me that they're not totally convinced at this point that that he's he's the finished article. Um, but I said, you know, Scott Williams has been out for a long, long time, and he's played very, very little rugby uh, over the past uh, well, what twelve months, really. So, you know, he's probably, it takes time really to get back to your best. So, I don't know, if I were a betting man, I'd probably marginally say that Owen Watkin was ahead, but there's very, very little in it. Yeah, it was put uh, it was put to me back in Argentina when I was out there last time over the side that the the management were desperate for Owen Watkin to really emerge as a genuine contender uh, in the Welsh midfield. And I suppose if you look back at everything that's transpired since then, uh, I'm not I'm still not totally convinced, like Mark, that that's really happened. Um, the one start the one start that stands out was against Italy in the Six Nations, which I think was arguably his best best performance in a Wales shirt obviously got a try in that match as well but I just think if if Scott Williams had been fit all year Scott Williams would currently be the front runner for this final spot in the midfield and I think the only reason it's it's a contest is because Williams is desperately short of game time so what we don't know is what sort of shape Scott Williams has got himself into he's got the experience behind him as we know and is is proven to produce for Wales in big matches 
and come up with sort of vital interventions. So, I mean, it really is a, a toss of a coin and, and we don't really know, like we said, what sort of state Scott Williams is actually in because we haven't seen him for a while, particularly at this stage, so on the international stage, sorry. As I alluded to earlier, you know, hasn't played for Wales since Argentina. So, yeah. you know, we don't know quite where he's at at this level, but I, I think it's close, but only because Williams is, is short of game time. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with that either because... I think what Scott brings, he, he he's, he's a former Wales captain. He has captain the national side. Mm. Uh, he's also a real tough nut, and I think people do see him as a bit of a test match animal as well. And uh, and that counts for a lot. And they're going they're going to a World Cup. You know, they're they're, they're not going to the Singleton Park Sevens or something. And, <laughs> and you want you really do want players with experience and a big game mentality. So if if he's Assured the selectors of his of his fitness, then uh, yeah, you know it'll it'll be a tight call, no doubt. There we go. Uh, final bit of the backs is half backs: Jared Evans and Alan Davis. Now, I think I think both of these are on the plane. Oof. I think Alan Davis yeah. is definitely on the plane, and I think the fact that Jared is starting means that he's on the plane. Whether that, whether they take two fly halves or three fly halves, I think Jared is going as second fly half. Yeah, I mean, you know. It, it looks that way, doesn't it? He, uh, they seem to be giving him opportunities to impress them. And again, I, I, I go back to this creativity thing, you know, which, uh, you know, I, I mentioned it uh, as regards Steph Evans as well. You know, Wales do seem a little bit short of uh, a creative influence. And um, I think Jared Evans, he's shown at regional level, he could deliver on that front. And I think that... Um, He'd be a useful guy to have, albeit, you know, he is short of test experience, but he'd be a useful guy to have, perhaps for the final 10, 15 minutes, if, if Will need something special, if they need to conjure a try. And they've got a guy, really, who's quite clever and smart, and, you know, his game management has improved. I say, I'm a little bit concerned. He's, he's, he's only got, what is it, two, two caps and a couple of minutes experience at test level. But... Um, he seems to have nudged ahead of Reese Pacho. Well, Reese had his had his sort of moments last year. You know, injury sort of plagued him. He had a very very difficult season, and maybe just Jared has has forged ahead. And yeah, I I think he's there or thereabouts. But he does need to seal the deal, and uh, he needs to show it, that he can produce in a test match against good quality opposition from the start. So hopefully he can do it this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't uh, go on too much because I, I agree with a lot of what Mark has said there. But I do think Wales have a bit of a problem at fly-off, to be honest, at the moment, just because you've got Dan Bigger and we know all about Dan. Um, but behind that, we don't really know where we stand. And Jared, Jared Evans, is, uh, as Mark said, the key words were there. He's produced at regional level and, and we need to see what he can do at this level. And you know, in weeks ago, I, I expressed my concern over his size, particularly defensively at a test, a test match level. And, you know, yeah, he can fill a role as, as the sort of the 15-minute man when the, when the game is breaking up. But, you know, there there are concerns there. And, and Rhys Patchell, uh, similarly, we, we don't, we just don't know where, where he's at because he's been, uh, he's been hidden quite well. So... Yeah, I think Wales have got an issue there, but I, I would agree that Jared Evans has seemingly has moved ahead of Rhys Patchell and Ali Davis. I don't think we need to touch on because yeah. I think he's he's nailed on. 
I just, I just think there's a touch of the Reese Priestland 2011 vibe where he's clearly impressed in training. I think he's just going to get that. Again, it's injury that's probably given him that chance. But we'll move on to the front row. Uh, so the likely front row we're expecting to see is Reese Carey, Ryan Elias and Samson Lee. Which of those do we think are nailed on and who, who's, who's probably got a bit of ground to make up? Well, well you know, I, I think that if Samson's fitting well... Uh, you know he, he's he, he's he's pretty sure to to sort of travel, but um, uh, there always been to be question marks over Samson's fitness, and you know never mind sort of Turkey. You know, I'd have been tempted to send him to uh, to Lourdes to uh, to chase away his injury niggles, you know, and uh, he just seems dogged by one problem after another. And when he's fit and when he's well. He is a good, solid player, and he was really good for Wales uh, against Italy. I think he was underrated, really, by a lot of people. He went under the radar last year in the Six Nations. It was his only start, but he was really, really impressive that day. And, um, you know, if uh, if he fit him well, he could challenge Tom Francis for that number three shirt because there have been a few sort of issues with the Wales scrum as well. But he needs to sort of, uh, he needs to really, you know, he needs to have just a, a run of matches or, or weeks without any problems. But I, I still think he, he, he's an important member of the squad, and I, I think he'll go. I think they've invested a lot in Ryan Elias. I think they will take three hookers a long way from Wales. Um, getting someone out there, I think Ryan Elias will go. Uh, again, he's a little bit unproven. He was he was good on the 2018 tour. Um, I, I thought he, he, he shone on that uh, tour, albeit off the bench, perhaps in one or two games. Um, as regards Reese Carey, again, we need to know whether this guy is ready to scrimmage at Test level. He's uh, he's shown at regional level he, he can carry, and there, there's a Potentially a very, very good player uh, there, uh, but we we just got to sort of find out really, you know, whether he can cut it really at this level at this stage of his career. But certainly, you know, he's he's got 20 minutes off the bench uh, at the end, perhaps you know, in the World Cup, he he could be quite useful. You're know, having this six foot three, 20 stone guy uh, running strongly at the opposition. But if he does start this weekend, it'll be an opportunity for Gatland to find out, you know, if he is uh, if he is able to sort of perform at this level right now. And it's, it's a really big game for him. Um, Wynne Jones, I was looking at his records earlier. You know, he's I think he's played 14 tests, just one of them as a starter. Um, Wales' scrum hasn't been brilliant. Um, towards the end of games, when when you know he he's sort of featured, um, you know for the scarlet he is he, he's he's usually reliable at regional level. I don't think there's a lot in it. Uh, I think Reese Carey will need a big game, um, and he needs to show that he can scrimmage. We know he can carry the ball. We know he can tackle. But the props, bread and butter, is the scrum. I think, with if nothing else, Gatlin has done Wayne Pivak a favour by potentially capping Carey before he goes to England and yeah. and eventually qualifies to to play for them. So, you know, at the very least, he's he's tying him down to Wales. But 
Um, you look across that, that front row and I, I wouldn't disagree with too much of what Mark said either. I would add that I think Rob Evans' stock has, has risen massively uh, in his absence, really, in the, in the last few weeks. Wales have, have had troubles at the scrum. Uh, in the first game at Twickenham, they had troubles in the loose as well. Uh, and you just think that I, I'm not as convinced those troubles would have been there had Rob Evans been involved. Um, and I take... I take Mark's point on Samson Lee as well to a certain degree. It's kind of like in picking Thomas Francis, they may have they may have sacrificed a little bit, uh, you know, uh, of what what happens at the scrum because you know is he that much of a better scrummager than Samson Lee? I, I don't know. The question marks are there now after what's happened in the last two weeks. I mean, a lot of it the suggestion was is coming down to the referee's interpretation of what's going on. And I understand that, but you know, you had two different referees and Wales were second best on two separate occasions at the scrum in both England games. So, you know, Samson Lee's got a chance to sort of re establish himself, having lost a grip on that number three jersey uh, in the last few months. So, you know, if if he can stay fit, you know, he he's had trouble with his Achilles, which is never a a good thing. Um but I think the man really whose stock has risen more than anyone's has been Rob Evans, to be honest. Um, and I think Reese Carey is probably sort of, you know, he, I wouldn't even put him on a par with Owen Lane in terms of his chances. Uh, I think Carey would need a, a big, huge performance and and then something to go his way in terms of an injury uh, to, to make it onto the plane. But, you know, definitely one for the future and, and has done Gatland has done Wales a favour by by selecting him. Yep, indeed. Um, and then on to the sort of the back five, because I think we'll we'll take the back second row and back row sort of together, because for me, I think it's pretty sort of cut and dry, I think. You know, I think there's probably three three names there that are nailed on, one that isn't going, and that one that would probably need a stormer on Saturday. So for me, that'd be Jake Ball, Shingler and Navidi. They're on the plane. Bradley Davis, unfortunately for him, I don't think he, he is. And then James Davis is that individual who's going to need a stormer to really sort of force his case. Bradley Davis. Bradley Davis. He had a terrific game for the Ospreys late season against the Cheetahs. And he really did show what he could do. And he is, you know, uh, you know, people may think it's a long shot with, with Bradley. And, and, and it probably is. But what Bradley is, and it does count on tour, he is a fantastic energiser as a tourist. Um, probably there, there wouldn't be many better tourists. You know, he's always got a smile on his face and uh, he's, he's just a life and soul. And uh, he's, the, the other players enjoy having Bradley Davis around the squad. And I think that does count, uh, does count for something. And um, but look, I mean, Adam Beard's going. Alan Jones was absolutely terrific. What I could see, as I say, on uh, you know the limited parts that I saw last weekend. Um, and then you know, Jake Ball looks to be looks to be there. And Corey Hill, uh, what is again? I was away in Spain. Don't know, quite know how his injury situation is progressing. Um, but if you move on to the back row, uh, James Davis clearly. Had a setback with his, uh, you know, with, with his injury. It's the final roll of the dice for him. It's probably up against it because what Shingler does is offer that coverage um, in the uh, uh, second row as well as in the back row. And Navidi looked terrific off the bench. He's certainly going. And I uh, was interested to, uh, to sort of see people speculating on their first choice back rows, you know. 
And uh, you know, my first choice back row would be uh, Kipper Eckert seven, Ross Moriarty eight, and Navidi at six. The back row that sort of featured in the uh, for Wales in the Six Nations. I thought it was terrific, and um, I'd stick with that. And I I bring Wayne right off the bench. Much to disagree with there, Matt? No, not at all, really. I, I'd say that Bradley Davis is a is a very long shot at this point. I'm not entirely sure how much training he's managed to do in, in this sort of uh, three-month period at the side of being together. And, um, yeah, James Davis suffered a, a huge setback, really. That was his chance last weekend to, to start a, a genuine, fully-fledged test match against proper opposition. Um, and unfortunately, it was cut short for him, and I think with that, his probably his chances have have diminished significantly. But you know, he gets another roll of the dice if he has a stormer. It, it might give Gatlin something to think about, but I would say now is Gatlin's mind is is largely made up, uh, particularly in the forward pack. I, I would say the only areas that really remain. Um, would revolve around the the back line in, in the centres that fly offs and and the back three to see what he really wants to do. But you know it's a chance to impress and and as long as you've got a chance to impress, you're still in the fight, aren't you? So there there is that for James Davis. Well, there we go. So uh, on that basis, it looks like Warren Gatlin's going to have a few decisions to make at least on uh, Saturday night and presumably well into Sunday morning. I think they will carry on doing the selection meeting. Up until that morning, am I right in thinking that, Matt? Well, the the general consensus is they will largely make the decisions on Saturday night. Uh, in the past, it's been said that if if there are a few fifty fifties to be decided upon, then the coaching staff will sleep on it and address it again with a fresh head in the morning. Um, but uh, uh, from the people I've spoken to, I think this time around their plans are largely to nail it down. I mean, you know. <laughs> Gatlin said weeks ago that if if he passed around a sheet of paper, we could all name twenty five out of the thirty one players who were already on yeah. the plane. So, like I said, the, the numbers of decisions he has to make at this point are quite limited. Yeah, he probably probably being quite sort of he was lowballing that number. I think to be honest, he's probably closer to twenty eight at the time, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think the, the only other thing that might toss a few spanner in the works are late injuries and. You know, there are conversations to be had with analysts and physios and medics and things like that. But I don't see or get the impression that this process is going to be delayed too much. Indeed. Well, we've got that to look forward to next week. But the next podcast will touch upon the team announcement. That'll be on Thursday. So join us for that. And then for all the latest Welsh rugby news and catch it all on Wales Online. <laughs> <laughs>